0: Right, good morning, everybody. Okay, perhaps you can uh, help me today. You see, I got a whole collection of things that were stirring with me, and I got a whole show and tell thing I can do with you. Um, God did give me one particular word to share. Uh, That word is momentum. Um, But I think we need to help one another just identify as I'm speaking what in in particular is God putting his finger on uh, for you uh, this morning? Right, let's crack on, Um, there's a video that's been shared amongst us, you may not have seen it yet, Um, can you put your hands up if you've not yet seen the talk by Brené Brown entitled Power of Vulnerability? Okay, good, so at least half of you have already. For those of you who haven't yet seen it, I would strongly recommend uh, watching this talk. You can find it at TED.com, search for vulnerability. Uh, Actually, those of you who are on the Facebook uh, can see it on the church's Facebook page as well. The reason for encouraging everyone to watch this is because of what God's been saying to us over uh, the last couple of months. You remember how the leaders came back from the leaders' weekend and said what a tremendous time they'd been sharing uh, openly and transparently about some very difficult things. People were confessing their fears and their failures, and it was very powerful. And then you remember how Steve shared with us a few weeks ago also about the opportunity to really allow God to um, dredge out uh, the crud at the bottom of the jar. What this talk does, uh, she's a researcher in vulnerability, and it's just wonderful as you hear her talk and as she discovers the power that is in uh, vulnerability and being vulnerable one another, so I would recommend that. so God had been speaking to us then about confessing our needs and our difficulties with one another, and of course, the Bible says that that 's a good thing for us to do to confess with one another and then last week, Neil shared uh, about stop, look, and listen. His talk was entitled "Sailor," meaning to pause. And reflect. But do you remember, Neil actually said it's more than just reflecting on God's word. There was a kind of a feeding, a real nourishment that that when we pause and, and truly reflect on God's word, it kind of does us good. It's nourishing, yeah? Now, I think God's helped us with these things because if we've been through a period of confessing our difficulties with one another. And if we've been obedient in listening to his word, I think that's for a purpose, that we can move on together, right? Let's move on together. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to share, not a teaching especially, but just some of the things that God has done with me, a bit of a testimony from myself from the last three years, which have helped me to regain momentum because I believe that God uh, would have us all as a community moving on with a sense of momentum. Um, just take a look at this for a minute. Now, I get the point. Um, I'm not thrilled with that, actually, myself. It's not quite how I understand it. I understand what it's trying to communicate. But <clears throat> I've met, have you met Christians like this? They kind of seem a bit paralyzed or a bit unable to move forward because they need to hear God at every single turn. Should I be turning left now? Should I be turning right? Should I be moving on? And and those kind of folk can get a little bit kind of stuck. Uh, And so I don't personally find God to be my spiritual sat-nav telling me when to turn left and right all the time. For me, God is more like a, a, a tour guide, a companion in the car with me, who's pointing things out as we go along, more like a compass so that we got our bearings right as we travel forward. Um, I came across this quote. I thought it was fantastic. Now, that excites me a bit more. I, I prefer that to God as a spiritual sat-nav. I like the idea that together we can explore. We can, we can forge new pathways together with God. And so that's, that's more my kind, of, my kind of thing. Um Bernard Sanders came and spoke to the leaders a few weeks ago, and one of the points he made was that when God speaks, it's actually for us to interpret how to birth that. How is that going to be for us? How are we going to respond to it? And understandably, we can quite easily say, well, what does that look like then? And we paint a picture of what it looks like but then that can kind of cause us to chase after the thing. Do you know what I mean? Rather than birth what God has put in our hearts. Right then. So, um, about three years ago, you know, I was struggling with the lack of momentum in my own life. You know, I wasn't dead depressed or anything, but you know, there was a lethargy there. I knew I wasn't really firing on all cylinders. I I didn't have the energy I wanted in in a number of spheres of my life. So I saw God. And God said, Anthony, things will change, but but not immediately. Now, I'm not very good at kind of waiting, to be honest. So I signed up for Doulos that year, and that was really good for me because that gave me some people and some things to get stuck into. So that was good. I also, interestingly enough, um, chose to fast once a week, every week. And for the best part of a year, I was fasting weekly. It was, um, it was a good thing to do. I wouldn't say I had any great revelation during the course of it, but it did do this. It did mean that I kept my peace with God rather than allowing kind of frustrations or resentment to, to bubble up. You know, because if you're not in a good place, you can either end up in a darker place or you can end up, you know, getting frustrated or resentful. And we've got to guard our hearts, haven't we? And for me... That fasting weekly was a way in which I could guard my heart when I was without the momentum that I really wanted. Now, after about 10 or 12 months, um, God did bring about the change that would bring about a release for me. Great. Uh, It did come in the form of a shove. Okay? So... In in day-to-day life, what that looked like was redundancy, and of course, redundancy is rarely a nice thing to go through. But I definitely had a sense of peace about it, and actually, I was really quite excited because this kind of signalled the starting pistol. Hurrah! I can move on now. Hey, momentum can come. Uh, You know, in all aspects of life, not, not just thinking particularly about the job, but it was it was symbolic, if you like. I've been able to get moving with God again. Uh, the point is, um, God might be giving you a shove, and it might not feel great, but that could actually be uh, a start of momentum for you. So watch out for God's shove. We see it with plenty of Bible characters, don't we? I mean, take Joseph or Jonah or some of these other characters who most definitely got a shove. Um, but it propelled them forward uh, into depending on God and into the next thing. So God gave me momentum through a shove. God also helped me gain momentum through immersion. Pl- uh, no, these are these mad. This is that mad tomato throwing contest in uh, the in Spain somewhere. Um, right. <laughs> There's plenty of research to show that we learn best and engage most when we're immersed in something, okay? Now, in a world uh, where everything gets summed up in 140 characters and two-minute blogs, um, it's quite nice to know that actually there is a very special place to learn through immersion. And we don't have to live with the superficial the whole time. You can see that with foreign languages, can't you? Uh, I was hopeless at foreign languages at school. I can proudly say the only class I ever came bottom of was German, Uh, but, you know, six weeks in uh, South America, and I began to learn Spanish. You know, when you're immersed in a culture, you learn the language. And so I immersed myself in Dulos initially. Uh, I also decided to learn some new things. I'd always wanted to uh, ride a motorbike, and learn to ride a motorbike, so... um, uh, I signed up for a motorbike course and did one of these f- intensive four-day classes uh, and, you know, uh, achieved, achieved what I needed to there, which was, was great. There was also the new job, which I immersed myself in as well. Uh, and that change of environment, that, uh, those new things, gave me some momentum. Immersion. But there's also another type of immersion I uh, want to draw your attention to. The sound is ready. Let's see if this uh, clip, will, clip will work for us. Um, so, uh, so Billy Elliot then uh, found himself immersed when he was dancing. I could fly like a bird. I lost, I lost myself in it. And for me, during the last three years, I've found some opportunities to immerse myself in some things that I'm good at. You know, God gave us all gifts and talents, right? And you remember how Neil showed that slide last week about us being on a bit of a treadmill and you can just kind of get caught up in the busyness of life and there's this thing and that thing. And I've always been drawn um, to the the studies and, and scholars who talk about how people get released to do the things they're really good at. Uh, like Billy Elliot was explaining there, you can lose yourself, you can lose track of time. Time almost appears to stand still when you 're immersed in the thing that you 're good at, that you're gifted in. I see time stood still there, um, but I don't think that <laughs> i don 't think that's because of what I'm talking. <clears throat> otherwise we're here all day, right. So, I would encourage you to think, just as Neil encouraged last week, let's not get caught up so much in the business of life that we're actually failing to do the things that we're really good at. Because God's put you on this earth for a reason. There are things that only you can do. And you can do them really well, better than anybody else. And you need to make sure that there's opportunity in your life to express those things. And if you don't know what they are yet, that doesn't matter too much. Because the next thing that God helped me with, where I found momentum, was by trying some things out. It's been great to try things out. Again, there's a whole field of research uh, on how, um, well, one of the books is called Little Bets. I haven't read it all yet, but it's about how testing small ideas, especially in the business world, can lead, lead to real business success. Having a go, trying something new. So for me, um, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a writer especially or a, or a poet or whatever. And, um, you know, sound of my own voice. So, so I, um, I experimented with some video blogging and um, I got some encouragement in that. And so one of the ways that I found personal momentum in the last year or so, is through video blogging. You know, in the old days, I might have written a diary or kept a journal. So it's just my little online journal, if you like. It's a way in which I can express the things that God has put inside me. Because what could be worse, people, than God puts something inside you and it doesn't find expression. So I suppose my question to you is, what has God put inside you, that needs to come out. And how is it going to come out? And let's not restrict ourselves to, well, it's going to look like this or look like that, because especially with new technologies these days, there's all manner of ways of being creative and expressive. So what's God put inside you that really needs to come out, that needs to flow more? I also um, wrote a book a little e-book, not because I wanted to make lots of money or um, gather a big following, but again, it was part of expressing these things that were bubbling up inside me, and so uh, it's quite nice. Uh, Just there you see, uh, this is the Apple iBookstore, where you can find a book by Anthony McKernan called Don't Give to the Poor, Invest in Them, and you can buy it for the bargain price, one pound 49. It just felt good to, um, to, to, to put something out there and say, look, I did that. You know, something that's bubbled up inside me, I've done it. It's there. I made that. And it doesn't matter whether people like it or how many people buy it or, you know, whatever. The point is, it's coming from inside you, from what God's put inside you. So I've got just a couple of other things to share on how God has helped me regain momentum in my life. But I've got a theory I want to test with you. And uh, so we're just going to pause for a moment because um, here's the theory. I I put it out on Facebook as well, so some of you are already hopefully anticipating this question. The theory is this. When God brings breakthrough for us in one aspect of our life, it seeks, it, it acts as a releasing agent for other aspects of our life. That's the theory, okay? Um, so what I'd quite like is I'd like s- some of you, a handful of you, to think, to, to come forward and share how God brought release in your life because breakthrough occurred in another aspect of your life. Yeah? Of course, if nobody comes forward, then we can say, well, that probably doesn't hold true, and that was just Anthony's idea you know, God's created us as whole beings, aren't we? And you know how we tend to separate our lives and compartmentalize them into the, the physical or the spiritual or the work or the family or whatever. But God's made us whole. So, um, what we'd like is just, just, just to share, just 60 seconds, where did God give you a breakthrough in life? And how, particularly, did that help release, bring extra release in your life in some other aspect, Yeah. So if that's, if you've got something you can share with us, just come and stand at the front um, while I recover the next point. Okay, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because, of course, I know, because what will happen is uh, you'll either be thinking about that or watching the screen or not listening to me or whatever. So probably the best thing to do is, um, thanks, Tanya. Yeah, come on, you can be first. (laughs) Tell you what, just take a seat. Um, just discuss with the person next to you where you've had a breakthrough in life and just think about whether God used that to release something else as well. All right? just, just have a chat, one with another. Okay, let's have, uh, come on, let's have three or four more come to the front. Let's hear, you, hear from you. Okay. Right. Okay, Tanya? Uh, go on, you start then. Okay. No, it was just
1: about a, year, a few years ago, or a year ago, I don't know the time span, but just God spoke to me about... I was in a bit of a rut, and I think um, God spoke to me about just being creative, and I didn't really have any particular direction, but I just started drawing and everything. And he said... And I'd always wanted to get into children's books. And since I kind of just started... I didn't know where to start, and I just started drawing and writing ideas, it just started a ball rolling, really. So I had encouragement, a bit like Anthony said, from different places, and now I just feel like I'm really... It's kind of released more creativity in me and also just more kind of um, knowing who I am and what what I like and just the kind of person I am, which kind of probably affects other things. It's got
0: to, hasn't it? I think that's super. Did you hear that? She just had a go. Let's have a try. Let's try something. And it was releasing and the ball was rolling. Great.
2: Uh, 30 years ago, uh, God got through to me that I needed to... Have uh, my father-in-law live with us because his wife had died and he he he, he was lonely. He was in an old folks' home, but he didn't get the emotional support. As a result of that, uh, w- God paid off our mortgage. We we we, ha- we had a f- an extra room in the house for four bedrooms, and uh, over the last 30 years, we've had numerous people share with us because after Dad died. Um, people kept coming to us, Richard Griffin lived with us for 18 months and various other people and families and we were really blessed as a result of that.
0: Excellent. Isn't that good? Isn't
2: that great? Steve. I thought I was was going a long way back because I was thinking about 13 years but that's okay if doing 30. Um, 13 years ago I was sitting in the school I was working with at the time, doing quite well at the job and God was talking to us as a community about making a difference. And then there was an advert in the paper, and it was youth mentoring in Haringey. Do you want to make a difference? And I thought, yes, I want to. But if I'm going to do that, I can't do the job I'm doing over in Hammersmith and Fulham because the traveling time is too long. And so I thought, it was really it. And I thought, well, okay, God, if you want me to do this, then find me a job. I needed a local job and started to look. And instantly he released a job at Bancroft, where I am now. So that was great. So he released me so I could do the mentoring, and that seemed to be good. And it gave a financial boost and... And all the things that went with that, so that was one area where you know he called me in and then released that job. But then through that, he also then, when the girls' education was falling apart because of the Harringay school, their room was falling apart, suddenly it was then opened a door for them to go to Bancrofts, which they never would have done, and it's opened all kinds of avenues for there. So it was quite interesting that as I've stepped out into the one thing, he was also then also providing yeah. in that. And right. it, was, it was that willingness to say, okay, God, if this is what you want me to do, I'm perfectly happy in this job. It seems a perfectly good job. Logically, I'd just stay here, but give me another mm. job.
0: Great, Steve. Thank you very much. How exciting that who knows what might come next as a result of the first step being taken? Hilary.
1: Um, after you guys all came back from that Leaders Weekend um, that Sunday, I felt something stirring in me, and I did nothing about it. And that week, I felt absolutely awful. And then the following Sunday, I just felt God was putting his finger on a fear that I'd had of authority, particularly in women, and got prayed for. And it's just released lots of different things in different areas of my life. In terms of the time, it was going to the job centre and being scared of this woman who's being really horrid. And then she was really nice. Um, And then different relationships in terms of friendships and who I seek to be friends with rather than not or avoiding or whatever. And also in my family, friendships, relationships in my family as well. I've got a hope and unbelieving God for change in various different ways and in future work as well. Right. So, yeah, lots of exciting things.
0: This fear thing, it's just so crippling, isn't it, when fear grabs hold of us. And sometimes we don't even, sometimes we might not even realise we're operating in fear. It's just, you know, we're just held back because what if they don't like it? Or what if I'm not good? Or what if I haven't got the money? Or what's the implication on my time? We can always think of millions of reasons why not to step out, to have a go. Thanks, Hilary. And um, let's not have fear hold us back. Pax.
3: Um, About 10 years now, I think, nine, 10 years ago, I had a job um, that I thought was a very, very great job. I uh, went for this interview um, and on the first, when I came to start work, all the guys that interviewed me had left and I became the head software guy. So I was thinking, this is a good job. So I had to interview people a week after I just started myself. And had people reporting to me. So I thought I was, this is really good. But I still felt like I wanted to do a master's degree. And so I told my aunt at the time, and she's like, You're stupid. How can you be head of the, you know, blah, blah, and you're going to leave? But I just felt like I had to go. So I told the guys I was working with, and they said, Yeah, you can go and get this job, and we will um, let you work with us offline while you're at school, blah, blah. So I got this expensive laptop, all of that stuff. And then just about when I was about to leave, I'm sitting down. Leave the course? Leave the the job for for my master's degree in Manchester. Um, I saw two of my colleagues talking together, just whispering with themselves. And I just had this very profound word of knowledge. You see those two guys talking there. They're actually planning on sacking you. So I stood up. And went straight to the toilet. And I started praying against, you know, what I just got. And I just had another profound word of knowledge. Stop praying for me to ask you to stay. I want you to leave. So I stopped praying and sat down. And I went back to my seat. And that same evening, he just came to me and said, Pastor, sorry to say, but we're letting you go. And even though God had told me and prepared me, I was so bitter and angry because they promised that you know, I was going to stay. I went for my master's degree full-time. I noticed eventually that I couldn't have combined the two because it was so intense when I went there. And and
0: how did it bring further release then?
3: Um, within four, six, four, five months of being in the course, before I actually finished the course, I got another job in London, and it was about 10 grand more salary than what I was earning there. Mm-hmm. And they allowed me, you know... A day off every week so I could finish my project when I finished. Right. It was quite um, right. good. amazing. Great,
0: right. yeah. good. thanks, Pax. Thanks.
4: Great. <clears throat> okay. Um. Sure. I'm trying. Okay. Um, in fact, Tanya was part of the releasing agent for me because I was given an opportunity. I had a heart for the Roma people, something that I've had for some time. And I bumped into <sighs> Tanya in the middle of. Tesco's as you do and she was telling me about how God had released her and I'd been thinking yes I've got a heart for the Roma people yes there's a project coming up where I can exchange with people in Romania but I haven't got time I can't see how I can fit this into my schedule it's going to be too much and after talking to Tanya I thought you wimp Um, (laughs) basically if God's told you to do something get on and do it And she prayed with me. And it wasn't even sure that I could actually go on this thing. And within a week, I was accepted to do the exchange to Romania. And from that has come all sorts of other things. I now regularly get together with a member of senior management here, which has released things in the rest of my work, because I've now got a voice into senior management, which I didn't have before. And there's lots of other things that have all been released from just... Actually obeying God and getting on doing what I needed to do and not saying I can't do it. I haven't got enough time.
0: Great, thank you, thank you, Hattie. Um
1: Recently, I've had to like confess a secret that I've been keeping for a long time, and I was really scared to like you know come forward and confess. But after confessing that, just a release. I, i didn 't realize this was holding me so much i didn 't realize h- in how much bondage I had, um, but after confessing that and I was just just feeling free, just feeling released, so just my everyday life, not thinking, "Oh, what if someone finds out you know about this because now i 'm being released from it, and it 's just released a sense of peace i guess within me uh, from the yeah. moment I wake up you know. Mm-hmm until I go to bed. Yeah. I'm not scared, I'm scared.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> Nothing is more re- releasing than forgiveness itself, right? Yeah, go
5: on. Hi. Hi. So I'm a bit nervous. <laughs> i never stand in front of people before. <laughs> um, I just wanted to share with you today, about seven years ago, um, something happened. I'm not gonna go into detail, but I find myself in prison. So um, after I came out, um, I thought, what am I gonna do? I can't you know, help myself, I can't provide for myself. I was just on my own. I don't really have my family here. So I found a job as a kitchen porter. So from being a kitchen porter, I was always interested in food. So they decided to train me as a chef you know, after that. So um, I just kept progressing, just doing the same thing, looking for other chef jobs. So after that, I met this guy called Levi Roots. You guys probably know him, the reggae reggae (laughs) sauce. So I met him on the street, and he offered me to work for him. So I've been trained to be a Caribbean chef, an Italian chef, English cuisine chef. (laughs) So, you know, that's, I just think, you know, it was God's way for just putting me in that position. I never thought I would be a chef. I never wanted to be a chef. But I'm proud to be a chef now. So anyone Wonderful. fancy some good food, I'm here. Oh, you should, you should
4: have done that now.
0: <laughs> Great. Well, I think you can see some themes coming through there. That uh, First of all, being obedient to God. Um, the encouragement of friends to step out. Overcoming fear, not allowing fear to hold on. Confessing things as well, and that one thing leads to another, because in God's economy, that's the way he is. So I think we can be excited, um, even in difficult times, that God provides releasing agents for us to move on. Another one for me personally was a new environment. Uh, I got a, a new job, and that was a fascinating environment. The culture there was totally alien to the kind of culture that I'm used to, But I still loved being able to um, get stuck in, understand uh, uh, this organization that I was was part of. It was really good for me. Uh, I got to travel as well. You know, just changing your route to work or to school, changing your wardrobe, rearranging your furniture, research studies show that all of these things can really help just, just freshen up the thinking. So, so why not just change something? Because it can actually be quite liberating. There's one particular thing that we can all do, which definitely helps with momentum. It's this, uh, to get out more. Time and again, research studies show that if people get some exercise and fresh air, um, it really does help people to become more generous uh, and on the front foot more. You might recognize that uh, photo. Uh, it's taken from Hainault, looking back across uh, to London. Now, let's watch the second greatest race <clears throat> of all time. It occurred last summer, not far from here. And the question for you while you're watching it is, what was it that made this one of the greatest races of all time?
2: Make it past. He's used in place now because he doesn't really need them. A as the tall figure of Radeisha, whose father won an Olympic silver medal before they fall, and Radisha is already prominent there. A man on his shoulder in the Ethiopian colours, right on the outside. Khaki also. Khaki's on the shoulder of Radeisha, but it's Radeisha holding the inside lane. It's Radisha from
5: Kharky, from Aman, man, from Quito. It's fast, it's around 24-6, 4
2: 2 meters. This could be something very special indeed. Radisha is taking a morning, and, and
0: Kharky is sitting behind him. A man is next to your- him. Yeah, so fast that uh, the computer can't cope with it. It, was, it wasn't typical, it was fine this morning when I was running that. Okay, so uh, let's have some suggestions. That's a clue, let's have some suggestions. That was the 800 meter Olympic final that David Rudisha won uh, last year on August the 9th. You tell me, why do you think that was one of the greatest races in history? Does us have some suggestions? Sorry? Yes, he led from start to finish. Good. Someone else? It was a new world record. He broke it for the sixth consecutive, his own record for the sixth time. Yes, Um, they say you can sum up the race in 16 letters. Um, World record, national record, personal best, personal best, personal best, national record, season's best, personal best. Uh, Chris, you had one? Oh, that's it, yeah. There are some other reasons as well. So, not just that. Every competitor ran the fastest race in history for their positioning. But it gets even better because the guy who came last, he was a Brit actually called Andy, (laughs) hey, he would have won the gold medal in every previous Olympic final of that event. Isn't that amazing? When we run with the best, we all raise our game. When we run with the best, we all raise our game. Are you running with people who will help raise your game? That's one of the ways I've found momentum in the last couple of years. I've been introduced to a whole set of new people, um, authors and bloggers and people I meet through my work, and it's really helped raise my game. Also, I've committed myself to spending more time with people like uh, Nathan, and other friends in the church. Who is gonna help you raise your game? What can you do about that? On the subject of changing environments, you know, actually this is is a, a related thing. Creativity, I've got to think about creativity because when I was at school, I was told I wasn't creative. I came bottom in the typical creative subjects, um, as well as German, (laughs) didn't didn't do very well. Um, uh, And it was only, really only in in adulthood, I began to see that God makes all of us creative. And the the great thing about creativity has so many flavors, it can look so different that we've got to find different ways of expressing our our creativity. and you know the, the kind of lifestyle we live in the West, and the t- type of schooling system and workplaces means that it's sometimes hard to be creative. But uh, I came across this, which was very interesting. Um, if you've got a creative task to do in your workplace, you will be 11 to 20 percent more productive if you do it at home. So actually, home working for certain creative tasks makes you far more productive, and I can testify to that. Um, at Christmas, I had in mind to design a new website, and a bit like Billy Elliot, I got this idea in my head and I couldn't let it go. And during the Christmas holidays, pretty much every day, certainly Christmas Day and Boxing Day, I was up early, scribbling away, designing this thing, because I was flowing in something, that, you know, flowing in the gifting that God had given me to kind of conceive of how this website was gonna work. And, um, It so often happens, I don't know about you, but when I take time off work, that's when the good ideas come. (laughs) It's just the way we're wired. Now, could talk for ages on the subject of habits because I've been studying this quite a lot. Um, Absolutely fascinating body of research in the way that uh, habits shape our life. And for me, gaining momentum during this last couple of years has involved adopting some new habits. Uh, Early morning habits of exercise, some new habits in terms of eating and also what I was saying before about who I relate with as well. There's a great book called The Power of Habits which I would highly recommend. just shows you how powerful habits can be. In fact, we're told that 45% of our day is habitual. So if we can embed new, good disciplines in our daily lives, then that will be transformative. They say you only, well, studies vary, but some studies say you only need to adopt a new habit every day for 30 days to embed it in your life. Some say 60, you know, one to two months, and you've got that new habit sussed. Right at the beginning of the three years ago, when I was thinking, oh, I'm just lacking in something, um, this was a quote that I read. um, Oh, hang on. Uh, Okay, no, I'll come on to it in a minute. But this this one's, um, uh, we first make our habits and then our habits make us. That was quite, made a powerful point. This is the quote that really struck me. So, come on, let's have some adventures, eh? Should we, should we, you know, go for it? Should we try some new things? Should we push the boat out a bit? <clears throat> should we experiment, change some things? Because, of course, you know, John is very keen that as a, a church we see some of the opportunities before us, that we want to see more people rising up with faith to pioneer and initiate new things for us as a church. And... Um, you know, I'm not one to sit, sit still. So I'm excited at what God's got before us and some of the things he's doing with, with us as a church. Um, that's only half the quote, actually. The, the next bit uh, says this. So the ways that I find momentum during the past couple of years, God gave me a shove. I was immersed in some new things. I experimented and tried some things. I uh, found myself in some new environments, and I've adopted some new habits. Of course, I suppose the key question is, yes, but Anthony, is this new momentum that you've got, is it helping you to love people and love God more? That would be a a key litmus test, I suppose. Well, I hope so. I certainly feel freer. You know, I don't feel so constrained. I don't feel like I'm on the treadmill so much. I'm not just being busy for the sake of busy. So I hope that actually the momentum that God has given me is helping me to love him more, is helping me to love others. We'd, We'd hate to be in a lukewarm position, right? I met a guy the other day, Christian, he was really passionate about this thing and the particular cause, you know, didn't light my fire. But I thought, wow, you know, he's got real passion and it was just one of those moments where he said, Anthony, you know, lukewarm is such a, such a bad place to be. Um, when I just, just reminded, when, we, when I did do loss and, and some of you who were on the course with me, Mark McGrath did this teaching and at one point he went off on one, like, like Mark McGrath can do. But it was really inspiring because his title was, <clears throat> I'm not okay with that. And it listed a whole load of things. And it was really inspiring. <clears throat> you know, there are some things, we, we need to get more passionate and concerned about things. I'm not okay with that. I'm not okay with that. I saw another quote the other day. If you aren't outraged, you've not been paying attention. <laughs> now, of course... <laughs> Matters greatly what it is that we're outraged about, but you, you get the idea. Let's not be, let's not be lukewarm, or just trundling along in second second gear. Today, of course, is a day when we celebrate and remember uh, the moving from death to life, Jesus's resurrection. Imagine those disciples. After three years with Jesus, they'd seen the miracles. They knew he was the king. They were just so excited. And then the the terrible tragedy, even though he'd prophesied and spoken about it, they, they, they didn't really understand. They didn't really get it, did they? And he's crucified. They were in a dark place. But the momentum came because they met with the risen one. The momentum came when they got his anointing and so, for all these things that I've experienced and the things I've said, at the end of the day, we're going to get our momentum because we meet with the risen Lord. Yeah? And we can't let fears hold us back or people or bad stuff. Let's move on, yeah? I'm really feeling much freer these days. Uh, all these things are bubbling up in me, and, um, you know. The things that, things should be bubbling up in you, and you've got to find ways to let them out, and experiment, and try some things, and talk with others, and let's see what God will do with it. Let's have an adventure, because God's not our spiritual sat-nav. We want to set sail in his direction and see where he'd take us, yeah. So, it's, that's not the end. It's just where I'm at at the moment. Um. You know, there's plenty more to come. But let's just pause and think, what, what is it that God's put his finger on for you today? I'm trusting that we've now all confessed our fail, failings and our fears. If you haven't, then that will definitely hold you back. So if you still feel like you're trapped and you've got things holding you back, do come forward shortly and say, Lord, I'm confessing this and ask some people to stand with you and pray with you. If you haven't heard God, well, say stop, listen, join with others. And perhaps some of the things that have inspired and moved me might also inspire and move you as well. We can't stand still, can we? I I just, no way. Let's see what God's got for us.